0: Welcome to the Mindful Dietitian interview series. I'm Fiona Sutherland, dietitian from Melbourne, Australia and director of the Mindful Dietitian. Please join me as I interview dietitians from all over the world who are experts in health at every size, the non-diet approach and mindfulness-based practice. These are a collection of interviews by a dietitian for dietitians and nutritionists, so that we can build a strong community of wonderful professionals who share an inclusive vision of well-being for everybody in everybody. Thanks so much for joining me. Hi, everyone, and welcome back to the Mindful Dietitian interview series. Recently, I had the great pleasure of speaking with our colleague Tracy Brown, who is a Florida based registered dietitian, but she's also a somatic therapist. So she brings some very special and unique skills to her nutrition therapy. And we speak a lot about it in this particular conversation. Plus, as an incredible bonus, Tracy shares with us one of her new meditations, which is, uh, which she has designed to really help her clients cut through shame and feelings of unworthiness. Uh, so we're really lucky because Tracy tried it out on us, basically, and I really enjoyed it. I thought it was a beautifully designed meditation, um, and you know, I felt like it was a great privilege that she had shared that with us. So in this interview, what you'll hear is the way Tracy, Tracy speaks about her her learning, education, and uh, understanding and insights into how the body. Tr- uh, uh, processes, its experiences. So you will hear her talking a little bit, a bit about trauma. Definitely not details about trauma, but trauma as, uh, as an experience, as an embodied experience and how we can understand how this intersects with the way we understand and have conversations with our clients about nutrition, food, eating and their bodies as well. So Tracy is a specialist in eating disorders uh, and she speaks a lot about dealing with quote-unquote the mess and I absolutely love this and what you'll hear us talking about is how it's really necessary to dig down deep into the messy work that is recovery and healing and as most of you will understand I'm really passionate about this um, that you kind of have to, have to get in to get out as I say and Tracy and I speak a lot about this in this particular conversation So I hope you really enjoy this. It's a little different to usual. Um, And if you want any more information, then Tracy has a lot of resources on her website, which is com. So thanks for being here and look forward to seeing you either online or in our Facebook group very soon. Bye. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to this next Mindful Dietitian interview series. I am so thrilled today to be speaking with the wonderful and very, very wise Tracy Brown. So for those of you who don't know Tracy, Tracy is a registered dietitian and an eating disorder specialist, and she's very unique in that she's also a somatic nutrition therapist. So welcome, Tracy. It's so great to have you here.
1: Oh, Fiona, I'm so glad that we are here together this, well, for us evening slash morning, the two of us. And um, I've been looking forward to talking with you for a while. I'm glad to be here.
0: Yeah, absolutely. So you and I share much in common, uh, apart from being registered dietitians. We we share, I guess, a common interest in the body and in the experience of the body and particularly in the embodied style of therapy. So I can't wait to really dive down with you into those areas um, and and introduce people a little bit more to to what we do and particularly in the way that you're trained, which is so interesting.
1: Oh, absolutely. And it, it makes sense if we, especially the us intuitive eating, you know, mindful eating style dietitians, the, the body is our realm. So it makes sense that we would want to help people be more attuned and and feel safe in being attuned to body signals, not just with food and hunger and fullness, but um, just this more felt experience because it builds confidence and helps our people tap into their own wisdom. So Let's face it, you know, our, you know, Western worlds are very much like trying to always get our attention for the next thing in terms of food and weight and body. And if we can help our clients, not just with food and body, but just on the bigger scope, be in and trust their bodies, which is where, you know, a lot of our inner wisdom can come from, then we are helping set them up for their life.
0: Mm. Yeah, absolutely. I couldn't agree more. I really love how you said that, you know, setting up for life. So we're not offering kind of, we're not offering short term solutions, are we? We're kind of building lifelong skills and also um, intergenerational skills. So if someone is a parent or a future parent, that it's something that they can pass on as well.
1: And without a shadow of a doubt, and it it goes, and we know this from from a lot of this, um, you know, neuroplasticity work is that if we can, you change some of these neural pathways, you know, we're changing our brains, we're changing our bodies. And that's just the way, you know, like say our children or even other children you happen to be around will respond because, um, you know, children are very attuned to us. So if we have a worried look on our brow, um, even though we say we're not worried, well, they, they focus on what they see and it's just from a mirror neuron perspective in the front of our brain. So it's, it's, you could say you're not worried, but, um, they might say or not say, Oh, you look, you're worried. I know you are. They might not say that, but they might have some other kind of behavior that's disruptive or something or, or they withdraw and you're like, well, what's going on with my kid? Mm-hmm. Um, so it's this, this subtle stuff that, uh, we're not necessarily maybe always voicing that we're teaching our clients. We can, but it's more about if we could help, and that I always start with because the dietitians we have, um, intuitive eating dietitians, we get the luxury of starting. And I always think that our doorway in is food and weight. Um, and we get to start with some of that mindfulness work there. And if it goes on past that in terms of just helping them be more attuned to themselves in other ways, then again, it will impact their life um, all the way around.
0: Mm. Oh, I love that. Yeah. It's it's such a wonderful idea. And actually I was reading something recently about um, some research that was done with, um, uh, with Bessel van der Kolk's group in the States. And some of their early work was talking about when, um, when the participants in their group-based program, which was based on embodied therapies, uh, particularly yoga, um, not necessarily the, the uh the 40 degree um hot yoga but more gentle embodied very sensory um exploratory um, inquiry based yoga um he was saying that actually one of the surprising results which of course now is probably not so surprising but this is in their early days was the effect in other areas of life so that the inquiry um inquiry-based movement and the gentle in invitations to look within the body actually encouraged people to bring different things into therapy into talk therapy so i was like oh that's actually really really interesting so it changed the way that people related to themselves and their body and then was able to shift the way people then related to others particularly others who were able to assist them in terms of psychological well-being I just found that really fascinating
1: absolutely and that's 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 the two places where I love what we do so much is is taking that'll that'll happen like let's say you have a client come in again the dietitians you're listening and they are doing yoga and they love it and you could reflect back some of maybe the more aliveness that you see um, in their bodies, or their brightness in their face, or um, just some things that were really feeling more difficult, maybe they're starting to have a little wiggle room. And um, you know, I lo- I, you know, I love um, the work you're describing, and also um, Stephen Forge's work around um, you know the attunement with other people. And I think you know, with you're in yoga, you're in sessions with us. It's you know part of why I've always believed before I even knew about. Um, all this, um, you know, trauma-informed work, and, and how we can use it even in people who don't um, identify with that, and you know, those experiences maybe. Um, but I, we, I think we heal in relationship.
0: Mm.
1: And you know, one of the re- what I love so much about our work is that we not we because we don't just give meal plans here, have a nice day. You know, we just spend this time over and over again with people, attuning to them. And, you know, noticing um, the shifts in their, in their facial expression or in their body and what's going on in the session. So tracking, which is what I, I didn't know I was doing this, but I've always been doing this, but now I have a name for it. of um, You know, what just happened and, 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 you know, coming in slumped and those are all signals of how we're like, if your shoulders are slumped or the eyes are down or the eyes are going back and forth. And there's a lot of things that our nervous systems are saying. And once we, maybe educate ourselves a little bit on some of that. We can, you know, one, we're attuned to it, and two, we can learn how to, um, just in that very attuned way, make it safe and okay for them to, one, feel that and navigate that with you without even having to say, hey, I'm noticing your eyes are twitching. It's like, huh, like, you know, I'm noticing a place that you can – I mean, what's it feel like right now just to, you know, be in your body or even be here? Because they might not notice that they're doing these things, but just bring in a gentle awareness of them, you know, how here do they feel, um, you know, obviously shows people that you actually see them.
0: Yes. Yeah. So that sense of, um, that sense of uh, presence and being seen, which is so important for people. To- development of their own sense of self-worth and value mm-hmm.
1: Mm-hmm. absolutely that's yeah I think that's what we do so again I just go back to re- reinforcing you know what we do with our clients is you know first if they're really struggling with just you know, the chaos of or they're eating whether under or over or whatever's happening and it, you can see how it goes in stages where it's like we help teach people how to basically re-nourish themselves so it's like you're helping through that that developmental stage of um yeah like initial nourishment and um autonomy building and then it's like as you start to introduce intuitive eating start to build like what is your body saying and what do you need and how can we help you support that and what's keeping you from that or, or what are you getting from not nourishing yourself and making that okay but just bringing that to the table um without having um you know, like a big agenda. like I got I got to get you to eat, eat more, eat less, mm-hmm. eat differently. It's like, Hey, let's be on the same side of the table here. Like, you know, what's, what's happening for you. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, those skills without us having to say that you know, we are doing mindfulness work or whatever is actually teaching that to people. Cause they can use those skills that, that way of inquiry, um, with themselves and learning how to have resiliency with that, that builds, um, you know, agency,
0: Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, And I really liked how you were talking about, you know, building how we don't always know the way our mindful presence um, actually influences, actually influences Mm -hmm. people, which is, I find it interesting when um, uh, I mean, as you'll be aware, dietitians are very skills based. We love to learn skills, like I don't know, label yeah. reading, or um, you know, the FODMAPs. You know, which which uh, which foods are going to um, influence gut health and things like that, and that's all very skills based and very cognitive. But what we're really talking about is taking it lots of levels deeper, aren't we? And mm-hmm. and really helping people get back connected with the very sense of being in charge and having choice um and feeling empowered and that their their choices do matter and that they make a difference and that they can be in charge
1: absolutely um i was thinking yeah you're right it's very, you know, a lot of things that we learned and we need all these skills the cognitive pieces to um yeah, bring some containment to this other piece which is um, it's kind of, it. it's, it's very much art of, you know, some people you might have, oh, this would be a good mindfulness thing, but they might not be able to only tolerate but a drop of that. Um, and so knowing when to like give a little drop and then like, oh no, I don't, you know, you know, I don't have anything that I really need you to do or say about that. I was just curious, um, you know, what your thoughts were when you, you know, I asked you to check in. With your body to like, oh, go, yeah, I don't really like that. Oh, okay, that's fine, and you leave, you let it go, even though you know that, like, maybe, you know, ten steps down the road, we need to do that, but that's not where we're at, so it's okay, and you move on, and allowing that to be, really experiential and maybe a little messy.
0: Mm, yeah, yeah, because uh, we we don't necessarily like messy, do we? And our clients don't always like mm-hmm. messy, so right. Yeah, that's, I mean, that's something so interesting to, to dive down into, if you don't mind, you know, how do we, how, do we, how do we get comfortable with mess? Well,
1: if I have a, when I get totally figured out, I'll, I'll let you know for sure. But um, <laughs> Yeah. I, I think that, yeah, yeah. What I think is, um, obviously continuing to do my own work of learning how to um you know feel feelings and talk it out and feel it out and whatever physical ways we do that as well um and i and i know from this experience, angel stuff is really i didn't learn it by reading about it i learned Mm. by doing so but i wouldn't try to do everything and i would try to do everything and it wouldn't feel you know, you'll feel kinda of clunky and that's okay. And then I would try like, okay, well that's too I'm trying to do too much. So let's back it up and and do a little bit less and see if that is if that means more. Um and really trust trust in my gut a lot of, you know, this person I doesn't even want to go there. I know that, so I'm not gonna push that. Or this person I think they can tolerate that. Let's try a little bit. And um and and see what happens and of course i've made mistakes but i also have enough training to where i know like there's certain things that you don't do because of a person's you know background so yeah. um and so i think that's part of it too it's like well having support and learning how to be more experiential is really important but also note the bottom line you have to try and, and kind of dip your toe in
0: yeah that's probably why it's called a practice isn't it <laughs>
1: right that's right, that's right so with the messiness is like making it okay for you not to know um, yeah. so I guess as we're talking more, this is kind of forming more in my brain of, um, just knowing it like, yeah, you know, a lot, but in that very moment you don't know everything mm. and maybe what you think, you know, um, is not all, is not all the story. So letting your client lead you, that's also really important. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Cause they know their story, even if they're not able to verbalize it.
1: Right. Yeah, absolutely. 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 So, you know, again, keep trying, I always try to keep bringing my clients like on my side of the chair, the table, whatever. Um, And not really so much against what their struggle is, but more about can we look at it. And sometimes clients do need you to be like, like I say, the eating disorder talk or voice sometimes clients like I need I need somebody like it's got my back and can like rage and scream at it with me yeah before they're ready to feel like I I want to now I want to compassionate look at it because some people are like I've never had anybody have my back about this I've been mm-hmm. told to do or picked on about my food my weight forever and I want somebody like with um a blowtorch and a spear and whatever to like you know tear some stuff up <laughs> No, yeah. you make it like, you know, like help me, like be there for me and be like the champion. And after they feel safe, it's like, okay, so let's look at this. Um, yeah. Because we're not going to be a victim anymore to it. You know, you've, they've had, they, you know, they feel like they're safe now. to so like, okay, so what is this trying to teach me? Cause some people are like, screw that. I don't want like, you know, I don't want to be compassionate on my eating order voice or mm-hmm. like anything else. I just want it to be gone and like mm-hmm. get away from me. Oh so. yeah.
0: Oh yeah. I've, I've, uh, I've developed a new word, which it may not, um, it may not translate really well for, um, the non-Australian people, but it's called pissed offeredness. <laughs> so basically yeah, absolutely. it's just, it's just, you know, <clears throat> getting, it, it's a, it, expressing strong emotions and even if mm-hmm. it's like, oh, that's okay. Um, mm-hmm. in the direction which, it has some use. So rather than being directed back in the self and becoming shame, directing it out towards fucking diet culture where, Mm -hmm. you know, which really screws us over when it comes to the relationship that we build with food and eating in our bodies.
1: Right. Absolutely. And so you've already have like, um, just from some other stuff that was totally out of your control, whether big T's or little T's in life. Um, you know, diet culture can definitely swoop in and steal what little bit of autonomy you feel like you have with your eating. Because most, a lot, of, a lot of, I would say, I would say most clients. Now I'm not saying the majority, but you know, most clients can remember a time when they ate, quote unquote, normally, whatever that means, like mm. mostly hunger and fullness. But there are some people, like I know, know it. I was put on diets for my pediatrician, and my mom and dad went along with it when I was three years old. Mm. Or I, or I was, or they go back in time and they recognize, like, oh my gosh, my mom you know, did food, you know, even nurse restrict me or formula restrict yeah. me because yeah. whatever percentile I was or I was just a big eater and it, it scared her, scared them, whatever. Mm-hmm. So if you think about it, you know, we had this idea that, um gosh, the food deprivation that we're struggling with is something we remember. We not, might, might not remember it, and it is babies. I don't think that even that – um picture oriented memory can come onto it. Please. If somebody listens to this and can correct my, my research here, but I don't think that even comes on board to about two years old. Mm
0: -hmm. And so
1: I think most of our memories are very somatic before that, like body based. Oh, Oh yeah. So, so that means if you've had deprivation and you struggle with some emotional or binge eating later on in life, well, You've got that, you've got some programming about that. And that's why this work is so important. This non-diet
0: work is so important. Mm -hmm. Yeah, because it's, it's encouraging our bodies not necessarily to remember, but to be compassionate towards or to respect that we've had these experiences and that our body Mm -hmm. is just gently trying to lead us in the right direction. It's saying, it's, it's saying to us, look, um, look, Tracy, for example, um, Mm -hmm. in your early life, nourishment was either hard to come by if, if food insecurity was an issue or, um, you know, food was withheld from you. And sometimes our body doesn't know the difference, right? Whether it's food insecurity or whether it's withholding or whether it's neglect. Um, But it certainly knows how to try and get food. And so when, and so when kids, you know, um, might be maybe sneaking food or might be hiding food, then, you know, heaping shame on them about weight and their behavior is unfortunately only going to compound um, the, the embodied experience that they already have. Right.
1: Absolutely. Which is why, This to me, it feels like the only rational and obviously ethical way to be able to help people come back home to themselves and rewire all that is just over and over and over and over again. These experiences of like tuning in the best we can feel and experimenting with that, and really supporting our clients as long as it takes to like keep listening, keep listening. Okay, that didn't quite work. That's okay. What do you need to know? over and over and over again. And they're going to want to like go back to dieting because that feels known. And yes, yep. you know, that's what they taught, you know, thought, but at the same time, if you can keep holding that tumor in that space for, excuse me, um, that th- this is how they were originally programmed and we can get back there, then, yeah. um, that's part, you know, obviously the, the, um, health at every size professionals and intuitive eating professionals who are listening to this, that that is part of our job. Is this really non ending patience.
0: Yes. Yeah. It's it's the most beautiful thing about health at every size, isn't it? Is that it mm -hmm. comes with it, these beautiful ideas about how to be with somebody um, and also how to be with ourselves as well. So it offers this just a lovely model to work within where we can, be compassionate and understand, and seek to understand somebody's experience, and to invite them to do the same thing, in a in a way that is not um, directive, or um, you know, it promotes equality and um, equitable care. And I just, it's it for me, like you said, it's the only rational. I like that rational and ethical way <laughs> to be working.
1: Yeah, I, I mean, it feel it feels to me, and this is where it's always come down to where my, again, I've been in this, you know, personally in this work for my own self, like 20 years, and then professionally 11, you know, going on whatever is, I still have that part of me that's really, really, um, Innocent around, like well, I, you know, I just don't get it. Like, why are we going to treat each other poorly? So, yeah. if you don't want, if you really believe in not treating other people with, <laughs> you want to treat people well and not out of judgment, then this seems like the paradigm to do that. So, I don't even know what the argument is. Sometimes I know that that's really naive, but you know. After all these years, I still feel that little bit of like, well, I don't even get what the argument is.
0: <laughs> I know. I'll oh, meet Look, I don't think it's naive, Tracy. I think it's probably just because we're well aware that both within our profession and in other extended professions, things like, you know, fitness and medicine and physical therapy and and other such, um, other such fields of work, that we know that um, it's so easy for other professionals and and us and our colleagues to get drawn into essentially or ostensibly diet culture, you know, and diet culture messaging. Mm. So it makes sense to us. But then when we're sending our clients out into the world and then they're having all Mm -hmm. these experiences that, that, you know, fly in the face of what we're aiming to, um, you know, what we're aiming to upskill them in, in terms of, you know, interoceptive awareness and um, attunement mm-hmm. and, and self-compassion that oh, sometimes it just feels like, Oh man, seriously, mm-hmm. get me off this world.
1: <laughs> absolutely. Absolutely. Oh yeah. Um, so I think I'm, I'm you, just... said, said that very, you said that very well. That was great.
0: Oh, thank you. Um, now I'm wondering, Tracy, if you don't mind us backing up a little bit because sure. you mentioned something before that, that maybe there's quite a number of people that, don't know um haven't heard these words before so you use the expression big t and little t um so can you explain to us a little bit more about what that is please
1: sure and it was a psychiatrist heard that i heard that word from and you know you know to be human is to experience things in life that were overwhelming and so this psychiatrist was talking about trauma so big t's are things like shock traumas and you know um abuses that happen sometimes really um and developmental trauma like things that happen really young in terms of different levels of getting certain needs met and they just weren't out of neglect or whatever happened um and then little teaser things yeah the little things that in and of themselves we wouldn't think like well that probably hurt that little one's feelings or that kind of thing happened but the issue is like it's the way that stuff gets stuck is usually from the lack of basically a presence that um, could help our nervous systems come back to a place of some resolution. Mm -hmm. So it can, it can be little things. And and I don't know that I consider little things bullying, but it can be big or little. Mm -hmm. Um, It could be things like having a difficult conversation or, um, just even being a little laughed at about that at school, and then there was just nobody around, and that gets stuck in the nervous system, and that like, breaks down a sense of you know worthiness or or okayness in the world. And so, um, those are the things as dietitians we bump up against all the time that are really some of the reasons why people develop food rules or develop um, just not okayness feeling in their body. It gets all projected onto the body and the body size because of our you know our obsessions with like there are ways that are basically more worthy and less worthy in the world, and we project a lot of that, and a lot of that comes from uh, at least in part. And you know not not only just you know the the little ts with the big ts, but of course our genetics and all kind of environmental stuff, but. um those things are are part of I think are a part of, are part of the puzzle, and we don't, we, of course, as dietitians, we don't necessarily name those things for them. And sometimes mm-hmm. you never know, mm-hmm. you, you never never know what it was, because some people tell you everything, and some people tell you, you just kind of know something happened. You kind of have an idea what it was about, but that's it, and it's not our place to really dig into that or ever ask. Sure. but j- just like um, you know, obviously, be respectful and and just. In the back of your mind that like there's there's certain places that you if if you're knowing that like there are certain places that they don't want to talk about you don't force that yes um and i might be bumped up against the food so you don't necessarily you can suspect like i think something's going on with this food because the way they're describing it um but you don't necessarily ask them to eat it or to challenge themselves with it Mm -hmm. um the same thing with with movement there's a lot of times that um sometimes being more active wakes things up in people and you have to say like, let's take some time off from movement. Let's, you don't need to do anything right now. Let let, let things be for now mm-hmm. um, and incur and make that okay for your clients so they can, you know, um, process that, you know, in the place they need to. So, Or
0: mm-hmm. well, particularly um, when people haven't moved for a long period of time, perhaps, you know, because their experiences of moving their body have been, ha- have really brought up feelings of shame and, and they may have experienced being shamed, you know? Um, Mm So yeah, these, these experiences can be really formative for people.
1: Absolutely. And as dietitians, you know, of course we can talk about their relationship with movement and what's it been like to move their bodies and what was it like as a kid. And, um, you know, if there are definitely realms that we can go into in terms of, Mm -hmm. you know, they were, you know, pick last for, Um, We call it PE here, you know, in the States Mm -hmm. um, or sports teams or whatever. Um, Those are things that for some people diminish their um, belief in themselves that they are a body that likes to, they have a body that likes to move um, Mm -hmm. or they haven't had a lot of opportunities or whatever the reasons were. Sometimes those are things that you can definitely, you know, do compassionate inquiry around and help them um, decide if or when or what that would look like if they wanted to move again um, or if they can Um, you know, and sometimes it's deeper than that and that's, and, but that will, that will show up. And then that's where you want to obviously pass that along to the the person's therapist, um, Mm -hmm. you know, to, to know that like, well, it's, it's, there's something else going on with like not wanting to move because they actually brought it up or you can tell by the, there might be some, something that really surprising happens in session, but they just kind of shut down around that topic and like, oh, okay, gotcha. And you report that and there's probably something going on around that.
0: Yeah. Yeah. You, you spoke before about things getting stuck in the nervous system and I'm really fascinated with that idea and, and and then you went on to talk about, you know, how this uh, incites a sense of rigidity around, around, for example, food rules or maybe weighing or numbers or, uh, you know, everything that kind of goes right along with, with diet culture. Um, so in terms of things getting stuck in the nervous system, what do you think might be interesting for, um, for dietitians to kind of understand about this particular concept? Because I personally find it fascinating and I know that you know a lot about it. So...
1: Well, I find that these things just kind of get coupled. So, um, you know, let's say constantly tracking it. That feels hard for a person to let go of. um, Really kind of explore and be curious, like, what that feels like if they didn't. Sometimes it's like you're not – not—you're sometimes I'm not even educating unless this is something I really feel like would help them, like, around, like, you know, stuckness in the nervous system. Sometimes it's like to elicit a response of how come that feels hard. That's where we're doing experiments. Like, Hey, could we, well, I wonder what it would be like to not, you know, count something for one meal, one day, one, whatever. Mm. And in the session, you know, you're talking Like I don't like say, Hey, at the, like, the last five seconds of the session, Hey, why don't you go do that? It's um, if I could, if they're saying they want to not do it, and then they can't not do it. <laughs> it's being curious early on the session. like, Huh? So I know you said you didn't want to count calories and party trust that you don't have to, but you still, you still are. I'm curious about that. What would that be like if you didn't? And then you name some parameters one day, one meal, one, whatever, and ask them what that feels like in their bodies. And you know, if there's fear, there's a charge about it, or if there's just like you no know, walls come up. Um, then you might explore that with them. Like, well, what is that wall? And what does that look like? And and do some, I call it embodied imagination work around that, you know, you know, and you might get far with it. Why not? This is where the experimentation comes up, but it just brings up like, wow, I just want to share with you that I could see how hard that is to not do that, even though you say you want to. Um, so if that, I don't know if, that, if that's a good example or not that I was mm. describing,
0: but. Well, it's a very practical example and something that, you know, eating disorder dietitians who are listening to this would really relate to. um, Because you're, I guess you're talking about a little bit more of a a body up approach as opposed to a cognitive, a cognitive like top down.
1: Right. And I do that. And that's the way I, you know, first learned is more cognitive. Um, Right. And I kind of, and again, I didn't, but I pretty quickly melded the two just because I think, that's kinda of how I'm wired is more emotion and body based. So mm-hmm. um I pretty quickly can notice when we're talking about it, that some people just got it click click and you could they could challenge themselves, feel some fear, and move on. And some people it's just they could hear it but it wasn't shifting. Mm-hmm. And so that's when I started just playing around and later on I got like actually more um yeah, um formal training and all this stuff. But um yeah it's just really interesting. Yeah, I think at this point I do depends on the client and again if they come in and just their presentation like who is this person so some people can't really do that much in body stuff right off the bat some people it is you need to start with here's some facts and i think all clients need some of that anyway um and it's interesting people... you
0: know some of the Go ahead. some of the neuroscience or some of the biology um of how things appear in the body you know and our experiences of what what appears in the body i think Clients, um my my observation is that clients find it really interesting to understand oh wow this is not for example this is not unique to me um this there's something about this that makes sense um in understanding this i can make sense of my own experience and in doing so maybe it gives me hope that I can Mm -hmm. find ways around it or through it or, um, you know, so we're not, we're not in that, let's get rid of it mode. We're more, you know, we're more thinking, okay, so if I can make sense of this experience, then I can kind of integrate it more.
1: So absolutely right. And it's something, you mentioned the cognitive model, um, which again, most of us, people messing with dietitians or other professionals here, you know, we're awesome. CBT is like pretty easy. Uh But what what I, what I learned is like, well, I don't, I was thinking, do I really want people to be better at coping with the stuff in their head? Or do I want people to be able to transform it? Like build new neural pathways. Yeah. And so it's like, uh, yes, body, please. Thank you.
0: (laughs) Yes. So is that what brought you to, uh, investigate yeah. more about the somatic mm-hmm. therapies. Okay. Yeah.
1: Yeah, absolutely. So I was having, you know, again, some clients and they could, they got better, you know, emotional tolerance to like the food experiments we were doing and um, body image work we were doing. And and I think that I was doing a lot of attunement and lots of compassion work. And honestly, just a lot of that uh, really, really consistent that we all do presence over and over and over again. And that was enough for people. And some people, again, that have other more complicated stuff in your, like, um, nervous system-wise going on that just, you know, CBT is not going to cut it. Um, and and these are the people that like, you know, are over and over again with you a long time or have other diagnoses too. And so, um, you know, these, this is how I got down this road of like, oh gosh, I was doing really good. I thought I was doing really good work. And there's, there's a ton better. And then, they're restricting again, or they're binging again. I'm like, What just mm-hmm. happened? They that hasn't happened in X number of weeks, months, year, whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I was like, Okay, so there's not much more I can tell them. Mm-hmm. So, what is it that is ha- also happening in this experience? So, this is how I got down the road first of you know studying around Peter Levine's work, and then just all kinds of stuff around um trying to understand the nervous system. So, I've studied with. Mm-hmm. I'm kind of on my fourth teacher right now, (laughs) um, different, different (laughs) angles of stuff and and reading. And, um, and again, again, there's not really a curriculum for this for us dietitians. Mm -hmm. So it's like, you know, learning how to like, and this is why I think we're having supervision with a therapist is really important because you know, I want to stay on in my lane and not be doing too much because some people there's, you're going to bump into stuff that, um, you're not, you're not going to know what to do with and it's not your role. Yeah. Um, yeah. And so knowing how to take some of these tools and these in this work and um, yeah, help people just feel basically help people build safety. That's always my number one in my session, build safety, building safety, building safety. Awesome. Yeah. Yeah. And that's like my number one goal and that if they feel better at the end, that's awesome. Um, That's not necessarily the goal. I, and usually people do just because, okay, yeah, they have a place. So they kind of like they could get again, be like a little dropper full or like a millimeter more in like some nourishment and okayness in their body. But, um, and that's how slow it can go sometimes. So, and that's what we, that's what I want people to understand from this work is sometimes it's like what people can tolerate is, is, is small and that is more than good enough.
0: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Particularly if they're, if, if the person sitting in front of you has been through a lot, you know, whether, whether or not they would, um, describe it as trauma or not. I mean, let's face it, being a female in this culture is, can be traumatic. <laughs>
1: um,
0: Absolutely. Absolutely. let alone, you know, uh, I work with a lot of, uh, people, both males and females and people who identify as, um, as other genders as well and have such a variety of different body experiences. And some of them would identify with, you know, um, with uh, having experiences that would be, um, that they would relate to as trauma and others, not so much, but there's so much that gets lodged in the body that seems to come up as shame. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And then I guess, I guess what I'm, I guess my next question for you uh, directly around shame is what do you notice about how shame arrives in the body in our office? <laughs> like what, you know, cause I, yeah, think, well, that that's, is so I think everybody,
1: yeah, well, everybody's going to recognize this is our clients come in and like, you know, they don't want to talk about their food or they're not really full. They're, they're scared to tell us exactly what they ate or even on our first sessions. Might say, "How is this for, how was this for you? Uh, I always ask that question and, you know, somewhere towards the end, I'm like, well, how, you know, how was this for you? And oh, I love that. What's going on for you right now? And, um, you know, either they come up and say they feel relieved because, you know, they're being listened to and the whole st- in their story is getting in or they feel like a ton of shame because of their behaviors.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, and so that's going to, sh- yeah, again that shows up in their worry that we're going to judge their food. They're worried that we're going to judge their weight. Um, They're worried that if we do an experiment, even though they 100% agree to it, and I really try to make sure that this feels like this is yours and you're not trying to please me by saying this is what you're going to do, they still might come in and be worried that, like, I didn't do it perfectly, so she's going to be disappointed in me. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. That's how that shows up, and that shows up pretty regularly, I'm I'm imagining, for most people.
0: Yeah, so that that tendency to do something to please you maybe mm-hmm. rather than mm-hmm. to do it to, for the, for the sake of the experience itself.
1: Right. And it's not so much, it's about us. I mean, mm-hmm. cause again, they're building relationship more and more as time goes by. So that will, you know, again, the relationship again, that's why I said it's so powerful to build that relationship because they feel like, okay, I don't need to do that because I've had some good experiences here. I can be more like authentic um, and that that gets earned with, you know, our presence and our attunement. Mm-hmm. Um, and yet the shames, you know, the shames, I mean, those are the main, like, on the surface things that most people recognize coming in. Um, and you'll see it in terms of, like, they feel shame for the groceries they really want to eat or yeah. Um, yeah. buying new clothes for themselves. I mean, the, all that has a root in shame. hmm of of having needs oh my gosh like I don't want to you know you'll talk to me about like this is their energy needs and and they're like and they don't like that they don't want to need that much um or they don't want to like a certain food or they don't want to admit that you know they like to eat cookies um that's all rooted in shame yeah
0: and when we could what are the what do you think are the most vital elements that we can bring in apart from mindful presence? And we've talked about that a lot, um, today, which is absolutely front and center. So apart from mindful presence, what are things do you think the dietitians can really keep front of, front of mind when it's pretty much to be expected that if somebody comes to see you, um, and they have any kind of, uh, food eating or body struggle, um, what are the, what are the top elements really to keep in mind in terms of how to sit with shame?
1: So, so again, there, I mean, the, again, the, the cognitive stuff around, around, even though there are, there's this, it's almost like reminding people, I know that, you know, me different or better, like, you know, reinforcing that, like, let's, let's say they do something, they eat something that they know will hurt their stomach, but they do it anyway. Yeah. Yep. And, and and they feel bad about that and they're beating themselves up and they can't give themselves compassion. Mm-hmm. It's again, showing up with them and say, like, huh, well, I I hear you. You're, I know you're, I hear you. you're, you're saying your rational mind knows better, but, and, and there's something, you know, either there's a, there's still a need for this for some reason, or your body knows, doesn't know, better yet. Yeah. 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 Like, I like your body, mind yeah. doesn't know better yet. So mm-hmm. it's okay. And so we want to like try to suspend some judgment around, you know, rationally, cause I know you're super brilliant, you're brilliant and you're insightful and all the lovely adjectives that I could give you about who I see you to be. And our nervous systems don't know better yet. We're just trying to do what we got to do to feel yeah. better. And th- this is the old pathway that we know and what we're trying to do here, by just acknowledging all this, and seeing it for what it is and maybe for its function is, then we get a chance to build another new one.
0: That is absolutely beautiful, what you just said. Absolutely, I'm definitely taking that into my next session, that sense of non-judgment and inviting the shame out into the open where we can look at it as, you know, what's going on here and what are you trying to help me with? What are you trying to tell me? Um, you know, what, what's the, maybe what's the work or what's the inquiry that I need to be doing right now?
1: Absolutely. And, and, and that's, that's kind of like the, the first, that's um, you know, that kind of started off very cognitive and, and there's other mm-hmm. times where that it goes that direction and we might go even deeper with it around just um being with the part of that person that needs to do that with their food. And that might not right. be their adult version. And, you know, some people aren't quite ready for that. And some people can, yeah, they can quickly are very visual. So they can drop into like seeing themselves at 10 and feeling like what they needed to do was too much and all that shame. And they didn't have anybody. And so you invite, um, this is very, very, you know, um, deep work and, and not, you know, I think it takes some practice, but being able to like remind them that they can, have support for that and they can bring their adult and, and, you know, um, empowered wise self to that or any other person they feel safe and good with. It could be, me, it could be imaginary character. It could be Oprah. It could be whomever, um, <laughs> Oprah, <laughs> so, uh, you know, whatever. Yeah. The non dieting Oprah. Right. And, right. Um, right.
0: Not the whole 30 Oprah.
1: Yeah. Not, not the, the Weight Watchers Oprah, but the, no. the part that's like, you know, okay, we got your back here, you know, Mm -hmm. what you need, and and what you need is not too much, and, you know, some people are going to love that work, some people, eh, not, they're not ready, or not interested, and that's okay, but just know that, like, that first statement that I made around making room for that, and making room for the idea that, like, just your rational mind isn't the only one that has a say in what you do with the food, yeah, this, or this, like, you know, this mind that, like, wants to control everything, there is a part of us that, like, I'm just trying to get my needs met. I'm trying to like get some equilibrium here. I'm trying to feel safe, and this is what I got to do. So, like, well, that sounds pretty
0: intelligent. Yes, there's so much intelligence in the body, isn't there? You know, even right. when it doesn't really make sense. Right. Oh goodness, yes, yeah, so much amazing work you mm-hmm. do, Tracy. Uh, I, my next question for you, if you don't mind me kind of peppering you with sure. questions, is No, not at all. I'm wondering when. I'm wondering when people might not be ready for intuitive eating or mindful eating. Mm. You know, what are the, Mm -hmm. because there are definitely times when people, they're not ready for it, but we might not, uh, we might not see it. We might be so, we might be loving the idea of it and, oh, it'll help you reconnect with your appetite signals and yada, yada, yada. But I know that you have some really great ideas about, you know, there are times that people aren't ready.
1: Yeah. So, um, I mean you're gonna especially if you're doing your your assessments, you're gonna know off the bat where a person is. Um and they might and that you might even like I try to get very clear on my you know, intake calls if, with people is, you know, this is this is my approach, this is the paradigm I use for health, um and, and wholeness and um it doesn't really include putting people on diet. So I'd be happy, you know, if that's something you're interested in and you get more you know, details and if, even if they still say yes, if you're like, Hmm, okay. So they come in for their first session and you're doing their history and you're talking about this approach. Um, again, I think it's important to still be tuning, you know, staying attuned to them and tracking. And if they feel like pretty neutral, a little shut down or they're just really, you can't really get a strong beat on that. I mean, again, you don't want to, Ag- agenda is really important. Like, okay, we want, we would love everybody to be intuitive eaters and be more free and be spending their life energy on doing on the world. Um, and we can just plant season, give introductions to this work and, um, give them some information about, you know, how diets don't work. And mm. here's a little evidence without fire hosing them with that. And we're shaming them for not wanting to do it or not, or, not being ready, but just mm-hmm. I, I try I try to give people if I can again as as a good, you know, attuned experience as possible, but you still also not I mean, you know, people know that I'm not gonna give my dialogue but I still wanna lose weight. I and mean, I, I hear you. and um mm. that's a pretty common that's a pretty common thing in our culture and you know and that, that would be a hard thing to let go of. So I'm just kinda curious, um, yeah, how do you feel like it is I can help you? Yeah. Yeah that's yeah. One of,
0: probably one of the most common dilemmas that we come up against isn't it it's mm-hmm. a i don't even know whether dilemma is the right word it's just it's it's the story that people are are coming with and and what they what they've been taught to want or what they've been taught. To right.
1: Mm. Of course we, we have been taught to want a smaller body because of all the magic perks that are supposed to come with it. And right, I'm not right. saying that there isn't, there's totally is privilege, you know, with having smaller sized bodies and life isn't magical there either. And so, you know, teaching our clients, clients, Sorry, there, potential clients. Sorry.
0: Two seconds. Hang on. Yeah. Oh, do you know what was so funny is that, yeah last time i did a recording i'll just pause hang on two seconds Mm -hmm. i'll just pause this so it's a really common issue that people come to us with you know wanting to change their body wanting to lose weight and it's really no wonder is it because they've been taught to make themselves smaller taught to hate and reject and be constantly in this body fixing mode so from a, I guess, from a somatic therapy point of view, how do you, like, where do you start with that?
1: Well, I think that one actually takes, I think that one is about some of the, um, you know, education we do and some of the um, really education we do around, um, you know, body politics and health at every size and all those things. that give them a framework for, you know, let's really look at the world. If we can step out of, like, all of, um just our, sometimes our individual stuff, look at the big picture of what you've been taught. So that's the really powerful, like, umph work that we do around just, um, you know, sharing what the, the different paradigms and where that came from and, um, empowering them with like choice. Now you have choice. It doesn't mean that it's easy to go down the path less traveled. It is totally not. However, now that, you know, you have a choice, what do you want to do about it? And being, being like walking arm stuff with, you know, arm in arm with him with that and, and navigating all the crap that's going to come up, no matter what your body size, but especially if you're in a larger body.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's, it, it, I'm not sure about you, but I find that um often clients, they get really fired up about it and they really mm-hmm. enjoy talking about, mm-hmm. as you said, body, body politics and health at every size and everything that you know, kind of comes along with that because it's almost like um, a raising of consciousness, you know, this, this sense mm-hmm. of, Oh, now I see it's actually, I've been swimming in this pool, you know, mm-hmm. uh, I've been absorbing, um, you know, passively and actively um, these ideas and these ideals and um, all these messages that have led me to, develop this strong belief system um, so for a lot of people we might be the first people to, to ever say did you know xyz was an option or absolutely you know that's pretty cool in lots of ways absolutely
1: so um i think that work is actually pretty important for us. somatically once you do some of that then it helps you with that internal conflict of like mentally I want that but emotionally this is kind of like stuck and why I go back and forth sometimes with my eating behaviors or how I talk to myself and so it makes it easier to access that a little bit because you're not fighting up against like you know thinner body is the only beautiful body and all that crap you know it's like no that's not all real that's just totally fabricated stuff it's not actual reality um it helps them like okay so where does this individually land in my system and it's not i mean it, it could be from the past and from their present struggles but it's easier to make sense for them to access you know more internally than like than if you hadn't done that, that those conversations first
0: yes yeah absolutely and i guess it also helps people to navigate their own body experiences so right um, right you know so when they are feeling a sense of willingness to tune in and, and turn in and tune in that they're able to um i guess have a, a, con- a context or a framework to work within mm-hmm. so you know what am, what am i looking yeah. for um what am i noticing um what, what's this telling me and we don't always have to find we don't I I think as dietitians, we often, we feel this urge to always be finding an answer or to help people find a solution to things. And I I think Mm -hmm. that's probably old stories that we, that we have about around our education and our style of training. And that's,
1: that's Mm. that's how we were all initially taught. You know, we're, we're the, we're the experts, we're the authorities around the food stuff. And, um, and people are again, taught that that's who we are (laughs) because of Uh, the messaging that's out there. So we are undoing all of that, not only with how we teach, but how, um, you know, they come to see, um, maybe how they can work with a professional. Cause not only are we, maybe are we some of the first people that, that they learned that we're not going to judge their body size or their food. And in fact, and this may be something, I'm going to say it because this is how it really feels like we hardly care what you eat.
0: <laughs> oh, Yes. High fives. High fives. Totally. Like, yeah. do, do I care
1: about, do I care about nutrition? Yeah, but it's not honestly the center point of my life and it's usually not the center point of like my food decisions. I trust yeah. my body for that, you know, so it ends up in the, wash. it ends up looking pretty decent in the wash, but I don't, I just don't put it on the high pedestal that, you know, one, frankly, I was taught that it was, mm-hmm. um, and not that it's not important, but you know, I want to teach clients like, yeah, it's important. And what's most important is your moment-to-moment sense of what do I need, and you trusting that.
0: Yeah, nice. So great. Yes. So this, this sense of health being a much bigger, bigger story, um, and well-being psychologically, emotionally, physically, and when we when we draw it just down to what I eat and the food decisions I make, I can't help but think that that really just totally buys into people's experiences of shame and blame and guilt. You mm-hmm. know, when we're looking mm-hmm. so one dimensionally at something and, and pinning our self-worth on our, maybe our, our food and movement behaviors that it feels like um, it feels so narrow, I guess in, in terms of, life context
1: well and that's i think that's part of the 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 point right so if we can like here's your narrow set of parameters you do this and you're good it makes life kind of like simple it gets people more easily buying in because it's easy to consume you know like Mm -hmm. do this diet you'll be great no problems but in fact it's we know how health is very very and health and weight are very multi-factorial and the bottom line is that we don't really have that much control anyway Yes. Um, yep. and that's a really hard message. Oh, like that is. doesn't suck, that's not, so, that's not super sexy, you know? So mm, mm.
0: no, it's not especially, and, and the, and the cognitive dissonance that comes with that is like, what, just say what, right. <laughs> uh-huh. um, and, and one thing I've discovered a bit more recently is a lot of the pushback from a quote unquote wellness people or the wellness folk is more around well you know what if I have invested all this time and energy and money and resources and life into the pursuit of attaining this particular picture of quote-unquote health then you know what you can all suffer along with me and you can all do this too because if I've invested what does this mean about my decisions if I've invested so much in this and actually it doesn't you're telling me it it doesn't really make much difference. Holy yeah. crap! <gasps> Things pretty confronting,
1: yeah. very confronting, and I imagine you know really painful. And we've all probably yeah. had our ways in which we recognize something uh, just wasn't really in alignment, and we got you know we're Side human, track. and mm-hmm. it's, it gets totally sidetracked from you know inner more inner wisdom, and it uh, happens to every human. Um, and so you know they again, once people kind of wake up, that's, or if they really don't wake up, but it's, you know, it's out there and it's real. And of course, it's almost like when things become more real, then, uh, you know, it's going to be more um, vivid vivid. and, you know, people have to make their decisions from there, like how they proceed and and being willing to do the work. If, well, if I'm going to do a course correct, that's great. If I'm not, then, but we're not going away. (laughs)
0: Yeah. Yeah. So that's, that's the difference, I guess, between, you know, um, uh, extending compassion to people who genuinely don't know any better. And then um, I tend to, this is just me. And I know this is something I need to work on is I tend to get, really pretty frustrated slash angry when people actually do know better and they still do it anyway it's like oh yeah. you serious and i'm not talking about my clients i'm talking about right. i'm talking about um people who have a platform and who have mm-hmm. a voice and who are using that voice to send messages that are directly perpetuating diet culture and body shame um but don't realize it. It's like a it's like the Emperor has no clothes. <laughs> right, right,
1: right, no, I, am. <laughs> I don't think there's anybody who of us who doesn't do this um mm-hmm. or can get frustrated. You you've probably witnessed at least one of my rants before in our private groups, you know, like what the you know, like, <laughs> Yes. Um so we all get frustrated and um like that we just had like there would be ha- there would be a big shift in people's businesses to um yeah that's so true to change things you know a big change yeah. I mean because if you are I mean that's, that's the bottom line I don't think people want to I can't imagine I mean this is again they might naivete around like humans wanting to like purposely you know and knowingly like damage someone's life by their orthorexic stuff or whatever mm-hmm. they're doing um, but I think there's yeah like you said like I'm going to put my, I'm going to put this little bag over my head and just like pretend it's not really there because mm. I have to change, I have to change too much and that would be uncomfortable for
0: me. So, you know, yeah, yeah. You've hit it in one. You've hit it in one. It's, <laughs> it's, it's, it's a discomfort that comes from the mess. Right. And, right. and we're full circle. <laughs> there we go. There we go. We found our own answer, Tracy. <laughs> to that question. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Oh my Lord. Oh my Lord. So, um, now, you were telling me prior to us starting to record that you have this amazing um, meditation that you've developed um, about – so can you tell us, first of all, a little bit about it? Sure. Um, so hand, I've, I've, about.
1: Yeah, well, so I've been doing yeah you know, these different body-based somatic meditations for – well, putting it out there in the world, like actually having the guts to do it, you know, for a couple, at least a year, maybe longer. Um, but so every once in a while, I make a new one, and so this is the first one I've done. This, this is this one I haven't done publicly publicly before. Yes, some practice, yes, with with people, but not out there. So you all get first listen, which I'm excited about. Um, oh
0: wow, I'm excited too, Tracy. That's yeah, great. Thank you so much, yeah. so generous of you.
1: Cool. Well, I'm excited for yeah. You know, I'm, I'm the I'm excited because. I feel the potential of this being beneficial and that's the point. So mm-hmm. this one's about finding our center, um, to increase worthiness. So instead of saying, you know, find your center to degree shame, let's like actually focus on what we want,
0: which nice. is Correct.
1: you know, a better, a, a stronger sense of I'm okay. So, um, this is what this meditation is, is about.
0: Thank you so much.
1: Yeah. And so if, are you, are we ready? Yeah, let's do it. Let's do it. Okay, so there's a little intro to this, and then we'll you'll 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 feel how it's shifting in. So, so I call this finding your center to increase worthiness. This meditation is adapted from one of my somatic and shame resolution teachers, Karen Scoto Dulizia. This simple practice is designed to help you shift the stuckness of shame into empowerment and aliveness. Practice regularly, this meditation will help you move forward in a freer way, less triggered by intense emotion related to being in the body or with food. Our aim here is increased self worth and respect through creating new neural pathways, which will make it feel more natural to be able to ride the waves when difficult things happen and, in general, live life more connected and in well being. My dedication to you is to help you become more of who you are, which is of course whole and broken. Worries with food and weight can melt away as you become more comfortable finding and being in your center and knowing the gift you are. A few things before we begin. You need not have experience with embodied imagination work and remember there is no getting it wrong. Some people report finding their centers visually first helps them connect more physically and that's great. We are looking to be in our felt sense and there's no wrong way to get there. Some people get there physically first, some people emotionally. So only close your eyes if this feels good to you. Place yourself in a comfortable position where you feel safe, not too hot or cold, or overly distracted or distracted at all if possible. And so for today, we will be focused on our centers. I recommend you do this meditation in a time where you're not highly anxious or in a very heightened shame state. We are practicing this meditation in this way because we want the meditation to become something that feels more automatic. So for, for when we are anxious or in a place of shame and it can then become like a new neural pathway and a more reliable resource for us. So practicing these meditations when we're first highly anxious, it's probably not gonna help us that much, but if we can practice it and when we feel at least more neutral, we can build a sense of like, okay, okay, I have something to go to. So in this time, if at any time you feel overwhelmed, things feel dark or numb, or your orient yourself to your feet. And by that, I mean, you feel your feet on the ground, notice which part of your foot has more contact with, your, with the surface, look at your hands, Look around your room gently for your favorite things and give yourself what you need to feel more connected to the current day and time, reminding yourself of your safety in in this moment. Even though many of us might have discomforts with the idea of being in our bodies or have actual physical pain or limitations, it's okay that you feel this way. And I encourage you to receive the benefit of this meditation no matter if you feel this will work or it won't work or what you're feeling physically. So let's begin. Either seated or standing, place your focus on your center. You can place your hand on your midsection if this feels comfortable to help you cradle yourself and focus. In most traditions the center is the seat of our energy and power. Somatically and neurologically our center holds much of our emotions and therefore Many images. As we do this, aim to follow each step and take your time. When you listen to this again, feel free to pause and restart at your own pace. You can get a sense of feeling your midsection by referencing your belly button or again use touch to where it feels good for your hand to land. Start to notice the start to notice what this feels like internally to be in your center. If any time you feel a little uh, distracted or ungrounded, come back to that felt sense internally of these sensations, especially if your mind tries to make sense or analyze what's happening. Now imagine your inner sense of self in your center and allow it to be curious, like it could float around a little bit, moving from side to side, further back, then maybe forward a bit. After some time and curiosity, find a place that feels neutral, and even good, like, like a sweet spot. You may feel more confident and landed with the least amount of effort in this spot. Now, in this landed sweet spot, bring up a picture of a time when you felt shame about your eating or your weight. It could have been yesterday or 30 years ago. Do a quick scan of your body. And if you're centered, and and if your centered sweet spot is shifted, take a moment to invite it back to that more grounded, connected, present, calm place. Don't rush. Body time is three times slower than cognitive time. So allow yourself to have time back to center. And again, if you feel overwhelmed, orient yourself to your feet and something nourishing in the room. Come back to this later if you need to. If you are staying steady, continue to focus on sensations towards the sweet spot you felt earlier. As you center, In this more realized place again. Notice how you feel more safe and empowered. And now recall a time that you felt very connected in a social way or setting. It needs to be a strong positive experience. It may have been a celebration, holding a baby, going on a date, The most compassionate session with a trusted guide or friend you've ever had. This could have been yesterday or 30 years ago. Allow this memory and the sensations to unfold, registering them through your body and particularly in your center. You are not being called to change it. However, notice your breath. How is your body holding itself? What has happened to any feelings of embarrassment or shame you may have had? Did you forget about them? I encourage you to practice this a couple times a week, building and feeding those neural pathways towards sovereignty and feeling your feelings and quickly changing your thoughts around food and body size. Many people, after having practiced this for a matter of weeks, report feeling more confident that food or body thoughts are manageable and lose their power. This, of course, builds confidence and competence, which then, of course, builds more well being. Also, a sense of connection and ease in themselves is possible with this practice. So, for a quick reference, my teacher also recommends people to utilize this four step process for alchemizing shame. Locate your center, invite it to arrive at its sweet spot. Recall that experience of strong connectedness with another person or group and feel those sensations in your body and notice what shifts begin to happen. Even if shame comes for your own self-talk around food or weight, projection from someone regarding negative food or body talk, or feeling not heard by a professional, you can access this more enlivening, strong feeling anytime. People also report feelings of calm and inner resolve by learning this meditation and four-step process. And So start to notice at this point, physically, is your chest feeling maybe more lifted or expanded or your chin more up, or your shoulders more broad or squared? And maybe your stomach feels calmer. There may be a sense of solidness in your body. You don't need to be a yoga or a meditation master or even like those things to reap the benefits of this practice. This tool was created for you to reduce shame and increase well being, which is for all. So, practice this, enjoy your journey towards a more interrupted, connected relationship with food and with life.
0: Wow, that was so beautiful. Oh, that was so, that was so lovely. I got this real sense of, um, this real sense of anchoring. The, you know, the invitation to draw and bring attention down to the feet first was so lovely. And then finding your centre, for me really, it was just such a beautiful invitation to uh, to find that place within us where we can where we can um feel like you say feel solid feel grounded feel like we have something and for me i I felt um i felt like an anchor i really did i felt like Mm -hmm. this really strong central sense of anchoring and even when i noticed that i drifted a little bit you know that reminder to Mm -hmm. come back to that central anchor Mm -hmm. was um That was so lovely. Thank you so much, Tracy. Let me ask you a
1: question. Well, thank you for, I mean, you know, mission accomplished. That's what we all love to feel the first time we do it. So we may not feel that way exactly Mm -mm. the first time. Um, I I actually practiced this with um, a person who has chronic pain and even she said that like it was really helpful because, when you have a lot of pain, it's hard not to focus always on the pain. And this mm-hmm. helped bring her back to places where she didn't feel pain. Yep. And overall, you have less pain by doing that. Mm-hmm. Um, what I want to ask you is that that solid feeling in your body, mm-hmm. does it feel like if something triggered you that it would have as much sway or as much um, knocking you off, like, your mm-hmm. sense of, like, I still know who I am? Because that's mm-hmm. really the point of this. Because people are going to yep. say – I get triggered by stuff, you know? So it's like, and we talked about this before in meditation, like people are going to say stuff that like, Oh my gosh. Yeah. Yeah. You know? And so,
0: or a visit to the, the doctors is,
1: <laughs> or a visit to the doctors. Mm-hmm. So it's like, you know, can we use these things to build enough solidity in ourselves yes. and uncouple and uncouple those, um, you know, uncouple that sense of like hopelessness that like, okay, so bad yep. things have happened to me and this is the way to always be mm-hmm. versus, no, there's a place for me to be, mm-hmm. and it can be, and it can be me, even if people say or do crappy things.
0: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, so, yeah. Well, to I, answer, answer to answer your question, I feel, um, I feel like that has great capacity to help people to write themselves in terms of you know if the boat is rocking you know, Mm -hmm. rather than, rather than reaching for the bucket and like panicking and getting all the water off the boat, you know, or jumping overboard or, or, um, I'm just using, I'm just kind of using an analogy here, either jumping off board or, or, um, you know, getting the water out panicked with the bucket or, um, fearing that the boat's going to tip, which is probably the one of the primary fears is i can't handle this i can't hold this i can't i I just can't cope anymore with this This is too much this is too much Mm -hmm. um and i feel like this meditation is a beautiful start for people to find that sense within themselves i don't have to talk themselves down and use a kind of cognitive approach although for some people in some situations of course that's going to be helpful but it feels quite accessible and that sense of i your your words were so deliberate, they were used very deliberately mm-hmm. and done in a way that really was just again just a really gentle invitation to come back to that sense of that that when my boat is rocking, that I can write myself, I can write myself, and I think in a way that builds. It feels to me, and I'm interested in your thoughts on this. It feels to me like that builds shame resilience maybe. That's yeah,
1: that's what this is for. Yeah, it's about shame resilience. The shame we learn, chronic shame always starts in some kind of interaction with another human being. Mhm. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Always. Um, you know, shame is like this avali- like this tool that pe- we've used <laughs> for for eons to yeah. you know keep our babies from getting bitten by snakes or run over by cars. So that, but the problem with shame is that we use it manipulatively to c- control people, yes. And so it gets embedded, it gets embedded. And this is about, like, yes, on um, like, yeah, it's a, it's a shame resolution tool basically.
0: Oh, I love it, that's so beautiful. And if you ever record this for people and you have it somewhere um please do let me know because i would love to spread it out far and wide i thought that was so useful tracy thank you
1: well i'm glad to get another endorsement so that's my plan is to obviously support that and make it available to everybody Mm -hmm. who wants it um yeah so we'll be doing that soon actually and yay um, yeah i'm I'm glad you got to um kind of be my guinea pig slash um I got feedback which is great yeah
0: (laughs) lovely lovely and um so on that note if people did want to give you feedback or they wanted to reach out or um and be in touch with with you um tell us a little bit about where people can find you
1: okay sure yeah I uh, have a website it's tracybrownrd.com and uh, you know I do individual work group work I do a lot of um you know, educating professionals, which I love in this kind of approach, like give them another tool. I mean, I think about it, our work really needs to be, I think, pretty holistic and have a lot of tools in our tool belt to help people. And okay. so whether you're a professional or, or not, like I like to share tools. <laughs> so, <laughs> great. Um, yeah. So we- website and I'm on social media, um, you know, face, Tracy Bonardi, Facebook and Instagram and all that good stuff. And um,
0: Yeah. Oh that's so wonderful. So people look you up and um sure. yeah you've just you've just got this amazing skill set that extends beyond you know our regular dietetic practice and I think there's a lot we can we can learn from from you and, and already you know from the work that you've done. So I just really appreciate your time and um and sharing your wisdom Tracy. So um I really look forward to because uh, we haven't met. Uh hopefully in the next year yeah. or two <laughs> hopefully cross fingers we might actually get to meet.
1: I hope so. I know we've done lots of our little fun online meetings, but mm-hmm. it'll happen someday, I'm sure.
0: Mm. So. Uh, yeah, yeah, definitely. We'll, we'll definitely make it happen. So thank you so oh. much again, Tracy. Really appreciate your your, your time, oh. energy, and wisdom.
1: Oh, Fiona, thank you for having me. It's super generous because I know this takes time and energy and resource and all that to you. So um, I'm happy that we just got to honestly share all this together. So mm-hmm. thank you.
0: Mm-hmm. You're welcome. Okay, then I'll talk to you soon. Bye. Thank you. Bye-bye. Well, that's our episode of the Mindful Dietitian interview series for today. Thank you so much to our wonderful guest and to you for listening. I really hope you enjoyed it. Just a reminder that you can find me over on the website, www.themindfuldietitian.com.au and please join actually quite a large group of wonderful and enthusiastic dietitians on the closed Facebook group, The Mindful Dietitian. The music you hear is called Happiness from Ben Sound, used under the Creative Commons license. Have a great day, everyone!